Welcome, Bryant, creator of yeah. Culture Podcast. It's great to have you here. We yeah, have thanks a, for having me. Oh, it's my it's my pleasure. We have a lot, actually, three really great topics to discuss tonight. We'll see if we can get to all of them. But before we get in and dive in, feet first. Can you tell me a little bit about you. You know, why are you passionate about this? What does culture mean to you? And and anything else you want to discuss today? Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, so obviously we've been talking about this type of stuff ever since I met you, you know, four, I guess four years back now. But, you know, it's something as I've stepped through my career, spending a lot of time in kind of the transformation, large scale change space, I've realized, you know, a lot of the the root causes are not due to technology limitations or not due to, you know, process. Um, it's, it's mostly around the people, right? And at the end of the day, when you think about, you know, the people of an organization, everyone always says that they're, the, you know, the number one asset of an organization. But when you actually look at how an organization, um, you know, uh, provides a, a space for those people to, to excel and to, to work at their best, um, you know, that, that kind of gets into that culture realm, uh, which in essence is, is the soul of an organization, right? It's one thing that you can't, you can't see it, but you know it's there and you know when it's working for you and you know when it's not working for you. And a lot of organizations struggle with this culture where, you know, they, they don't want to change the culture because it's what makes them, you know, unique or, you know, that's their kind of bread and butter in terms of being able to, to, to drive innovation. What they don't realize is you have to continuously reevaluate um, that, see what aspects of the culture do you want to, to, to retain and what aspects do you need to start to shed for whatever reason. Um, and so as I've stepped through my career, I've I've seen time and time again how organizations kind of have, have blinders on and they don't really recognize that their culture is actually limiting the innovation. They're not providing a, a safe space for their employees, you know, that psychological safety um, that's allowing their employees to, to really, you know, work and, and grow um, at a much uh, higher, um, you know, potential than they would in, a, in an organization. So I'm really passionate about helping organizations to understand why. I mean, I, I, this is something from, you know, diversity of perspective, understanding all the different perspectives, why, uh, why you know, competencies um, are, are, are no longer in silos, but you actually need to be able to cut across competencies and be, be uh, you know, cross-functional in your understanding of the organization, how it runs, what you do. Uh, and, and so I'm really excited to talk about these topics because this is something that we've obviously talked about quite a bit, uh, and I, I really enjoy really enjoy talking about it. So, yeah, for sure. There's the, the material out there is great. I think it needs to be unpacked a little bit further. There is still a stigma around culture, and there's often sayings that I sense it, I can feel it, and you. But sometimes it's hard to label and define. So through this project, Creator of Culture, and discussions with, with people, with, with experience, with stories to tell, we're looking to demystify that and basically label that feeling and label, well, oh, I really feel that in organization. So anyway, to get, let's jump right into it, Brian. You mentioned something real previous about psychological safety in organizations. I wonder if you can unpack that a little bit for, for me 
And, you know, for people out listening. Yeah, I mean, I think to to kind of pull on right, a thread in terms of, you know, f- be able to feel it. I, I think it's, you know, the old school mentality, you know, kind of, um, you know, chain of command, you know, top down directive, you know, of an organization where people, you know, uh, you know, really were just there to, to punch a time clock or, or to do a task or to do a job, um, you know, and weren't really empowered. Um, you know, that that's that's kind of, I think time and time again, uh, is, whether it's through studies or through actual uh, results, is proven not to be the, the most effective way to, to build an innovative organization. Um, and so one of the key aspects of, you know, I think a modern organization is this concept of psychological safety. And, and there's a lot of literature, obviously, you know, about this. Um, you know, one of my kind of favorite um, people to look at. Adam Grant talks a lot about this. He's written some books around it. But w- when you think about psychological safety, it's really, you know, from the top of the organization, and it's really important from a leadership perspective, providing people a safe space where they can make mistakes, you know, and not feel like they're, they're going to be, you know, reprimanded or penalized for making a mistake, um, that they're, they're transparent and, and they don't feel like they need to sweep something under the rug. And so it really gets back to the kind of humility, being able to express, uh, you know, your, your, your feelings in a way, you know, for all the way, again, from the CEO, like letting their people know, um, hey, it's okay to make mistakes. I make mistakes every day, right? And, and I want to empower you to express yourself in whatever way. It's a safe space. So if you have a, a problem or you made a mistake, that's okay. Let's support you and help you grow. Because that's what really drives that idea of a learning culture, this, this concept that, you know, what you uh, what helps you do your job today and what's got you to where you are in your career is not what's going to get you, you know, to the, to the next step, right? And every organization uh, is very good at um, doing what they do today, but it's that learning culture that's going to help them to innovate and do what they need to do 5, 10, 15 years from now to, to be relevant um, and, and so this, this psychological safety, I think, is, is one of those kind of cornerstones of ensuring that you build that learning culture so you can, you can stay relevant and continue to innovate in your organization and retain talent, right? People want to be empowered. They want to feel safe uh, in, in their jobs. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of ties into the diversity and inclusion space, which is, you know, another important topic. Um, but it, it's something I think that a lot of the leaders uh, today that kind of grew up in the old school mentality, uh, you know, really struggle with, right? They have a lot of blind spots around some of those softer, what, what typically are referred to as softer skills, emotional intelligence uh, type of things. So I, I think it's a challenge for them, uh, you know, to kind of bridge that gap into the next generation uh, and, and start to really build psychological safety into the culture of the organization if it's not already there. No, that's a really interesting point, Brian, about psychological safety. But, you know, and a lot of things seem to basically combine to produce this safety. One is you mentioned vulnerability and vulnerability of from the CEO down to say, hey, it is a safe organization. I make mistakes like everybody. It's okay if you do because our culture, what we're trying to create is something say innovation is a priority and to create that you know it's trust making mistakes that safe place 
to learn, to grow, to move beyond your comfort zone and support that and basically say it's okay. Yeah. How does that relate to, in your opinion, to problem solving? Is this interrelated? Is it overlapping away or is that something separate, do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, think, it, I think it's very much related, right? I, this is where, you know, traditionally we you know we grew up in an education system where you you, you focus on different subjects um and, and you really don't learn how to express yourself or how to understand well why am i feeling this way or why can't i do this um right or how do i uh you know how do i overcome adversity or if i fail how do i get back up and kind of keep moving forward so you know you're educated in mathematics you're educated in english you're educated in, in all these subjects but at the end of the day, you know, you get into the workforce and you realize a lot of that doesn't apply, right? A lot of it is kind of just basic problem solving skills, being able to connect the dots between the problem you're encountering today and how are you going to actually solve that problem. Um, and so when you think about, you know, creating that safe space, you know, being vulnerable, being your authentic self, which drives creativity and innovation, you, know, you need to be able to uh, have support and feel empowered to be able to problem solve. Otherwise, you're going to continue kind of the status quo, which means, you know, if I see a problem and it's not in my, you know, little little world, it's not part of my job responsibilities, I'm just going to look the other way and that problem is going to kind of stay there. Where if you're empowered and, and, and really owning it and feel safe and, and, and part of the team, uh, you know, in, in terms of we're all in this together, the mission, you know, I, if I help you, you're going to help me type of thing. Um, you can leverage your problem solving skills to step outside of your comfort zone or step outside of your competency area and help to, to kind of drive uh, that um, whatever that problem is or challenge, uh, to, you know, to, to completion. And I think that's how people grow, right? I think no longer are you going to be stuck in kind of your, your competency, right? You, whether you're a contract professional or whether you're a finance professional or an engineer, it's, it's very rare that you can now operate just within that mode. You need to have these kind of, again, softer skills um, to be able to, you know, attack these problems that, you know, we've never faced before, right? The, the environment's changing, uh, you know, at a pretty rapid pace in terms of competition, in terms of the industries, uh, in terms of the challenges. And so problem solving is, is going to be critical to that. But you need to have a safe space to be able to, 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 to grow and operate within that. Brian, why can't people let their guard down, you know, and be vulnerable? Is it, you know, is there something, you know, it makes me think that, is there something from your perspective physiologically going on in our body that just is a block from doing that is letting down your guard what's the holdup i guess is there fear of doing that are people worried about exposing too much and in your opinion how do you get over that hump yeah i mean so this is a it's a really good question i mean i i think it's not uh it's not too um, too much of a you know kind of a stretch to kind of pull the thread and realize that this, this this is actually impacts your personal life too in terms of the vulnerability, psychological safety, and being able to express yourself. And so you know just to tie it back to you know how we're brought up you know as, as children uh, through the education system and through the through kind of uh, you know college, 
you're you're rarely taught how to channel that and to understand you know how you're feeling how, how you know how should i express myself um you know and i i can't speak to to whether or not it's you know a physiological thing but i do think um i do think in terms of overcoming you know it, it takes a lot of you know uh self-awareness and being able to kind of look inside introspectively and say you know why am i feeling this way or why you know every time i step into this room you know i freeze up and i don't want to talk about something uh and, and really unpacking that and is it because i don't feel comfortable with the team is it because i'm out of my comfort zone in terms of you know whatever the subject matter is and i don't feel like i add anything to the team um, and, and once you start to kind of understand what those uh, limitations are, you know, why you're feeling a certain way, you can start to develop, um, uh, you know, tools or, or um, um, you know, mechanisms for you to kind of channel it and be able to work through that. And so I've spent a lot of time understanding what those limitations are for me personally and, and, and figuring out how can I overcome them. Or how can I, you know, work around them to make sure it's not limiting me uh, in terms of my growth potential? Um, and and I, I think it's different for everyone. Everyone's got their own kind of kind of reasons, but it is uh, a lot of self-reflection to to really understand what is it going to take for me to feel psychologically safe in, in this environment. What's it, what is it going to take for me to be vulnerable? Uh, and and it, and it it's different for everyone. So I, I think the the ability to express that to you, whether it's your manager or if you're working with a close team, you know, what your comfort level is in terms of sharing, in terms of, you know, having that safe space, what kind of support you need um, is, is really important because if you can't express that, other other individuals working around you won't, you know, necessarily know what you need to be supported. Uh, and, and so it's really important to do that self-reflection and then be able to communicate and articulate it to those, especially, you know, the, your, your leadership or, or the, the, the peers that you work very closely with so they can help to provide that, that environment for you that can help you grow and overcome some of those limitations. Well, that's, that's a great piece of wisdom. I mean, it, it, what I heard was almost two parts, Brian. You know, one part was the process and learning how to, I guess, evaluate yourself as to why you're feeling a certain way and introspect and have that ability. Does that ability, my, you know, a follow-up question, does it have to be taught? Do some, do people know how to do that? It's, it could be hard to do. And does that take a form of education or study experience or even having a coach to help pull that out? Second is once one you know, feels they're capable of doing that. They're competent in that sense. Is it still a matter of trust on how much is disclosed, say in a workplace or group or community before they can start saying, hey, I, I, can, be, I can be my authentic self and, and be real about it without being judged? Because yeah. I realize that this, this place is supportive because they get it. And if they're not, you'll never see someone's authentic self. I just wondered if you could speak upon those two points for a sec. Yeah, so to the first one, um, I, I definitely think, uh, you know, it, it, it takes, uh, you know, when you think of like self-development uh, type things, it takes learning, right, to, to kind of be able to, to, to be, to have that self-reflection, self-awareness. 
um, you know, you need to to kind of be true to yourself, right? You, you, you can't kind of make excuses for things and you really need to take an honest, you know, look at yourself. Uh, and, and you may not always like kind of some of the reasons. Um, so, so you have to be able to kind of unpack that. I do think, you know, there's a lot of kind of tools or ways to kind of teach yourself, whether it's through books or things like meditation, um, or even, even think, you know, things like therapy and talking to someone else, especially someone outside of either your personal life or professional life that really, you know, does not have any skin in the game and is just there to listen to you express things that you maybe have never expressed openly to anyone before uh, and, and help you assess that. Um, and then on top of that, you know, there, there's um, definitely... Uh, you know, significant value in finding a mentor. Again, I, I strongly, you know, recommend mentors outside of your kind of core professional life that can can really help, uh, you know, unpack some of that and, and talk to you about some of their experiences, you know, in dealing with that as well. Um, in terms of, you know, the, the, the second part, right, that's where the psychological safety and in, in, in making sure that you know whether it's your community or your job whoever is in leadership positions you know at the highest possible level they are visibly you know vulnerable and creating that safe space so, so you have some comfort that well if they can do it you know so can i but it also comes to accountability from the leadership and making sure leaders at all levels of the organization whether they're informal leaders or not um are um held accountable for making sure they're creating that safe space because the last thing you want is someone to to kind of you know go through that self-reflection and, and and start to be able to express themselves and bring their authentic selves to only be shut down like you know like you were saying whether it's you know someone else kind of you know pushing them to the side or judging them uh because that's only gonna be you know that much harder for them to kind of you know come back out of that um, and, and so that's, I think, one of the challenges organizations have today is we speak a lot about diversity, and inclusion, psychological safety, um, but there's not a lot of action in terms of, you know, the, the leaders of the organization openly, uh, you know, expressing themselves and being vulnerable, but also holding everyone else accountable in the organization to make sure that they're creating that safe space as well. And I think that goes for, you know, any community organization. Uh, or e even in your professional lives, whether it's a, a relationship or family. That That's so interesting. And it brings me to the next point that we've talked about in the past. And beneficial, I think, for, for our discussion here today, and that's of, we say, accountability and the concept of ownership. You know, I'm just thinking about what you just said. If someone went through all those steps to self-reflect, to learn why, to be able to turn around and express themselves only to be shut down. Oh, yeah. that is not, that's not a good recipe. I mean, imagine put yourself in the person's shoes who has had the courage to go down that road only to be let down, lost them forever. Yep. So can you talk about, you know, accountability? You know, I, I know, you know, from the ownership perspective that not only, are we talking the talk, but walking the walk and, and backing up what we're saying? Yeah. Unpack that, explain that a little bit. And if you have an example, it doesn't have to give, you know, names and things like that, but just a yep. general yep. example, Brian, maybe of, you know, something you've seen that worked or someone who it backfired because there wasn't ownership. 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, ownership and accountability go hand in hand, right? And no matter, I think, what you're talking about, and, and especially when you get into this area, um, you know, of psychological safety, diversity, inclusion, uh, you know, it's it's uh, an imperative that, you know, whatever the person's role, you know, for, let's let's focus in on kind of a, a leader of an organization that they, they, they actually own it and they are, they're holding themselves accountable, right? And they're asking other people in the organization to hold themselves accountable because the last thing uh, you, you want is, you know, you go out and, and, and hire um, a diversity and inclusion, you know, uh, expert, you bring them into the organization and they start talking about these concepts and, and people start saying, okay, yeah, 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 this is great. I love this, this is what we need. Uh, and then the CEO of the organization you know, is exhibiting the exact opposite of kind of what they're talking about in terms of actions, right? They're, so they're, they're talking it, they're, they're kind of openly expressing support by saying, listen to this person that's talking about this, but in their actions, they're not following through, uh, you know, with that, and they're not holding themselves accountable for creating the safe space. So, um, you know, I, I can speak to kind of a couple examples where I've seen senior leaders, you know, openly ridicule people in meetings and kind of scream at them and berate them, right? And and that's where, you know, again, not only are they not holding themselves accountable, but they're not actually, you know, uh, walking the walk. They're, you know, they may be, you know, again, supporting the words, saying the words, but when people see a senior leader in the organization, you know, yelling at a person or berating a person or belittling them, um, they're immediately going to shut down and say, okay, I don't want to ever say anything in front of this person because what if I'm the next one on, on the list? And so that's where the accountability and, and, you know, we're human, right? So at the end of the day, we can't always hold ourselves accountable, especially um, when we put ourselves in certain situations, but being able to, to say, hey, Mike, you know, I want to make sure you know, I, I'm I'm creating a safe space, right? Can you hold me accountable? And if you see something in the meeting, you know, please, you know, immediately, you know, just call me out and say, hey, Brian, I, I don't think that's appropriate. And I'm giving you, you know, that, uh, I'm empowering you, you know, whatever your level in the organization is to hold me accountable, right? And I think that's really important for senior leaders, CEOs, any level of management to allow their staff, to allow their peers to hold them accountable openly and publicly uh, because that's where everyone starts to understand, okay, this is not just on me to hold myself accountable. This is really all of us working together uh, to hold each other accountable. And, and that, that lends itself to, you know, again, that creating that safe space where we all, we all uh, you know, are, are in it together, uh, you know, working towards the same, yeah. same vision. It's all interconnected. So, Brian, from your perspective, based on that example that you gave, does a group, a community, an organization, whatever it is, a group of people have a, have a chance if the top is not walking the walk, but say a lot of people in the middle or, you know, on the, basically in the field are walking the walk. Does it have a, does the, does the organization group or community have a chance to B is transformational or impact culture in a positive way in that, in that sense. So, you know, do they have a chance to be as transformational or impact culture? Uh, 
Yes, but but I, you know, I would caveat with that is it's 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 much more difficult, right? And, and I, the key to even you know uh, being able to accomplish any transformation in that that um, scenario is coordination, right? Because what what you can't have, and this happens quite often in organizations, is you have all these pockets of kind of change champions, you know, that are driving change, driving positive culture change. Um, and, and are really trying to bring some of these issues to the forefront and help people understand, you know, some of these these concepts and why psychological safety is so important. And they're exhibiting themselves, but if they're all working in silos in these pockets, you know, ultimately you, you're going to see very little, uh, you know, impact. If they coordinate across the organization to the point where you know people are starting to see, okay, you know, they're, they're, look at all of them. They're they're exhibiting this. Look how you know effective they are working together. You know, they all uh, kind of have a common understanding. They have a lot of support. Uh, not only may that get some of the um, CEO, uh, you know, or senior leaders' um, uh, interest, but it's also going to get more people to buy into that concept. So I, I think. You, you know, a lot of us find ourselves in situations where we don't have um, that organizational support from the top or that kind of psychological safety net, um, and we're having to kind of drive it. The key is to drive it together, right, and, and help that transformation move forward uh, in, in a way that you will not be able to if you're you're you trying to throw it on your back uh, and kind of push it across the finish line because because it, it won't stick. Uh, it, it, you may see some traction, but but inevitably, uh, you know, you're going to take a couple steps forward and 10 steps back. Yeah. Maybe short term gains, it seems, but maybe not sustainable for the future. Yep. You know, just to kind of close this out, Brian, you know, from your perspective, how important is culture today in having, you know, something that we just discussed, all those three particular points that roll up into culture, as we say, how, how important is it today for individuals, teams, organizations, and communities, and why so? Yeah, I mean, I think culture is critical, right, more, more than ever. I think as we move into this, this world, this kind of global world, uh, as we move more towards remote, uh, you know, connectivity, whether it's with friends or, you know, with family or within a company, um, culture is going to be what kind of pulls everyone together and helps establish, right, what, what the, the kind of values of the organization, what the norms of the organization and how we all work together, right? And as we said, it's not something you can necessarily see, but when you step into an organization, you very quickly can kind of feel that culture and, and whether it's a good fit or not. Um, and I think it's really important that um, we recognize you know, a lot of the, the, you know, diversity, inclusion, diversity from perspective, especially, right, that we culture uh, driven by uh, the same type of person, whether it's race or whether it's upbringing or experience or competency, you know, you, what you don't want is a culture driven entirely by engineers. You don't want a culture driven entirely by accountants. You don't want a culture driven entirely um, by MBAs. You, you want a diverse culture, right? Because that's ultimately what's going to have uh, a diverse perspective and help you to, to kind of drive that positive change. And, and where you may have a blind spot, you know, I can see very clearly. And where I have a blind spot, you can see very clearly. And you can quickly identify what's working in the culture, what's not working in the culture, uh, and, and help to, to rectify that. I think a lot of people 
traditionally have kind of just accepted the culture and said this is this is what it is. I, I think going forward, the, you know, we need to recognize it's it's a fluid thing, right? There, there, there's kind of the nucleus may stay the same, but it's evolving over time as we adapt and uh, how we work together. Uh, in, 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 in our personal lives, in our professional lives, um, I, I think the culture needs to move with that. And if that if we can find that symbiotic relationship, I think the, the those companies are going to experience significant uh, potential and, and growth opportunities within their 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 people. Well, that's great insight, Brian. It really is. And I think based on that insight, I'm looking at part two of this. I don't know. Right. Do you think that? I will. I we love just it. hit upon I'll... a couple extra topics there that all roll up. We have to. Yeah, I'm in. Just tell me when, man. <laughs> so I think the next one, you mentioned diversity, how, you know, a group, a community, an organization built up of these multiple perspectives. You can't have all the same. There's no growth. And it's not sustainable. Yep. That needs to be our discussion for next time. So I love with it. that. With that being said, I want to thank Brian Fatanza, transformational connoisseur, and, and really appreciate the insight. It's it's nuggets of wisdom that all it's so impactful in, in today. So, thank you, Brian. It was great yeah, having yeah. you today. Thanks for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. Have a good night. We want to sincerely thank you for listening to Creator of Culture's podcast series.